Well, I have 10 minutes. But it's good. God is good, right? Yeah. Well, Denny's message last week was awesome. How many of you are burning ones now? Come on. Okay, a few, a few. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to try and do this really, really efficiently. How's that? (laughs) You know, we're reading the book of Matthew right now, and um, there's so much meat in the Gospels. Oh, my gosh. I could just stay there forever. But as I was reading, I um, was in chapter 4, and go ahead and put that scripture up, Pat. The scripture really um, came alive in a way that it hadn't before. It says, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. That's Satan talking, in case you didn't recognize that. But he answered, Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Which, that took me to Deuteronomy, which is the Old Testament, for those of you that are new to Christianity. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Old Testament, New Testament. God's saying the same thing to his people in two different times, two different epochs, basically. The cool thing, what jumped out at me was, In the Old Testament, they were fed, the Israelites were fed, the bread was the manna from heaven. Today, this is our manna from heaven. Every word that proceeds out of the word of mouth, out of the mouth of God. This isn't my message, this I just wanted to share with you the importance of being in the word. It's our bread. It's what sustains us. It's what feeds us, fuels us. It's our lifeline. Just as the Israelites in the Old Testament were fed on the word of God for 40 years, every day they could count on the bread that fell from heaven, the manna that fell from heaven. And not only did they walk, be be, um, sustained physically, But spiritually, they also walked in divine health for 40 years. Their clothes never wore out. The shoes never wore out. Supernaturally. What was set 
and that time is also set for this time. And that's why God's word in Matthew says, Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Cool, huh? If you're not in the word, how can you possibly even think that you can survive in the world we live in today without the word of God? Some of us have lived that way prior to, but I can tell you personally, in my own experience, that it's much more fulfilling, peaceful. Still have trials, but I'm able to go through the trials in a whole different mindset because I have somebody that's for me and that sustains me and lifts me up. And most of all, and this is my message today, who loves me. Pat did a great uh, precursor just talking about Corinne and what love looks like and what it's supposed to look like in us. And I started seeing kind of this pattern, and I just wanted to kind of go through it as quickly as I can with the four minutes I have left before noon. But um, Matthew twenty two thirty seven through 40 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is a great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. He also spoke that in Deuteronomy back in the Old Testament days. So this love the Lord your God seems to be pretty important. Amen? Amen. In this scripture, when Jesus says, you shall love, the Greek word that he's talking about is agape. And agape love is a love that is, it loves without changing. It's a self-giving love. And it loves without demanding or expecting repayment. It's a love so great that it can even be given to the unlovely and the unappealing. It also loves even when it's rejected. Agape loves and gives because it wants to. And it doesn't demand or expect repayment when that love is given. It just simply gives. Sound familiar? Doesn't give because you deserve. Sounds a lot like God to me. But this is the standard we are to live by. 
where's John? Project, project, project. <laughs> okay. So agape love can be defined as God's love. The word also has little, very little to do with emotion. And it has much to do with self-denial for the sake of someone else. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Skip Moen, he's a, a Hebrew scholar. He says, love in this verse is agape love. The love is self-sacrifice. It is a paradigm of the servant leader. It has nothing to do with feelings and everything to do with behavior and attitude. Jesus was often frustrated with the development of his fathers, and he was angry at the hypocrisy of Pharisees. He was distraught over the unrepentant behavior of Israel. But none of those feelings changed his commitment to obedience, sacrifice, and action. Agape love can be commanded. Because it's about choice, the choices I make and the commitments I live by and the directions I take from God. It has nothing to do with how I feel. End quote. So now that we know what a definition of agape love is, the love that we are all required to live by, to love our God with agape love, but also to love one another, with that same love, what's that look like? Jesus tells us. He tells us in the Beatitudes. See, in the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes are simply what our character should look like in the kingdom of God. Each one of us. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the first beatitude because this is where we start with God. Poor in spirit. Could you hear that? (laughs) Sorry. A little sidetrack. We must be poor in spirit. We cannot fulfill in our own strength what we need. We have to simply become beggars before God for love. To know that we can do nothing on our own, but simply be poor enough to understand that without him, we are nothing. We can do nothing. No one is meek before others or towards others until he has a humble view of himself. We have to have a humble view of ourself, of ourself, of ourself before we can be humble and meek towards others. If you don't understand or even sense your own need and your own poverty of spirit, you'll never hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Those who mourn for their sin 
and their sinful condition shall be comforted. It's all about being humble. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Remember, these are the characteristics, what we should look like, what we should look like in the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And to be meek means to be willing to submit and work under proper authority. It also shows a willingness to discard one's own rights and privileges to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Those that are meek before God will submit and conform to his word. And they will also be meek before men in that they are strong, but yet they are humble, they are gentle, they are patient, they are long-suffering. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. This isn't a hunger for food. If you remember last week, Denny said that he did a 40-day fast and he was sustained by the word of God that he wasn't even hungry, physically hungry. I had the same experience I shared with you when I went away for those three days to go before the Lord. That there, he, the word of God was my bread, was my food. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The merciful one will always look for those that are weeping and mourning. They will always look for the weaker and the poor. The merciful will be compassionate even to those who are outwardly sinful. Corinne, Brandon. The merciful one will have a care, will care about the soul of all men, whether they're brothers and sisters in Christ or lost in the world, yet to be brothers and sisters. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God Who are they? They're the ones who are utterly sincere about their walk with the Lord and do not have a divided heart. They don't have a divided heart in their devotion and their commitment to him. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they they shall be called sons of God. The reward of peacemakers is that they recognize that they are true children of God and that they share this passion that Jesus had for peace and reconciliation for all brothers and sisters and the last one that I'll read is blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when they vile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake rejoice and be exceedingly glad For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, in our culture, the Beatitudes, 
these character traits are not valued in our culture here. But we're citizens of God. We're citizens of God's kingdom. And all of these describe what our character should be, should look like. Agape love, love the Lord your God, love one another. You'll have these characteristics in the kingdom. And this is the part that God really spoke to me the other day. When Pat asked me to speak on Friday, late Friday afternoon. (laughs) I woke up yesterday morning and I said, this is what the message is. This is the message you need to speak, is what I told him. (laughs) But um, I knew it was me. How do we measure our commitment to love? By his standards. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but I do not have the love, I have nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But now faith, hope, Love, abide, everybody say abide, Abide. these three, but the greatest of these is love. David Gusick says that each thing described in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3 is a good thing. Tongues are good, prophecy and knowledge and faith are good, sacrifice is good. But love is so valuable, so important, apart from it, Every other good thing is useless. Absolutely useless. You can have gifts of miracles and healings, but if it's without love, it's useless. Who says so? He says so. Sometimes he goes on to say, sometimes we make the great mistake of letting go what is best for something else that is good. But not the best. So love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. Love is not arrogant. 
Love does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. You see, why this is so important is because Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter, enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many of you will say to me on this day, or on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform miracles? Jesus says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. That word knew in the Greek means to know somebody as a husband knows a wife in intimacy. It's not just, I didn't know you. I don't know you. No, it's an intimate knowing. Love the Lord your God, agape love, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That kind of knowing. Jesus also said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all men Say all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That word again, all men will know. That same word know again is an intimacy like a husband knows a wife. They will know that you've been at the feet of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus. If you have love for one another, love that is patient, love that is kind and not jealous, and doesn't brag or isn't arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, is not provoked, doesn't take an account, into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. See, if you don't have your daily bread, you won't know these things. And if you don't know these things, then your character doesn't look like the kingdom of heaven, the Beatitudes. And if your character doesn't look like heaven, like the Beatitudes, then you're not walking in love because your life will not line up with what he considers agape love. 
We want to be known as disciples of Christ by our love. And the only way we can do that is to know what his word says, but not just to know it, but to apply it to our lives, to become the Beatitudes, the walking Beatitudes. These should just be things that are so part of who we are that we don't have to sit and think, oh, I need to be poor in spirit. No, that is who I am already. If we know who we are, if we know who he is, then we'll be able to walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Because we would have crucified those fleshly desires within our hearts. And walk in the Spirit. What does love look like in your life today? By God's measurement, by God's definition, agape love. We can all get better wherever we're at. We know the standard now. We know where he's set the bar. He just asks that you don't go below the bar. He set the base, the foundation for us. Today, if you're at the very base of that foundation, I challenge you to get in the Word. But don't just get in it. Become it. Be it. We sang the song that the Lamb would receive the reward for His suffering. Well, guess how He's going to receive that reward? It's through each one of you. And the only way that we do this is walk out the word of God, believe who you are, know who you are. The only way you know who you are is by the manna that fell from heaven. And he's left it for us to eat. Now, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So those of you who feel like you've really failed in this area, repent, ask for forgiveness. He's given us this wonderful helper called Holy Spirit. If you ask him, God, give me your heart. 
He will. Let's close our eyes. Those of you that need a a new definition of love in your life, this agape love definition. I would ask you to have the courage to come forward. And ask for God's help. Pastor Pat and I can preach the word to you. We can teach you. We can encourage you. We can direct you. We can do everything to help you. But he's given you the most wonderful teacher ever called Holy Spirit. And so much can be done. But reconciliation between you and him in this area of love is a necessary thing. If you've been falling short in the areas of love, you have found yourself not being patient, not being loving, not being long-suffering, not being gentle, not being kind, the fruit of the Spirit flows right out of agape love. Then come up. Confess that before your Heavenly Father. Ask for forgiveness and then ask for love this house will be a house of love this house is a house of love Father I thank you I thank you it is through kindness that you bring us to repentance God it's not by any harsh word forgive us Lord for looking at one another looking at others God, with critical eyes, with judgmental hearts, for not seeing the plank in our own eye and trying to remove a splinter in the eyes of someone else. God, for not fully understanding your agape love and understanding that agape love simply defines you. God, I thank you for your kindness. I thank you that you can change hearts in an instant. But what is required is a humble heart. To humbly come before you and say, Father, I have fallen short. And I confess that to you today. I thank you, Father. You are so good. You are so good. 
You left us manna from heaven. Jesus was the perfect manna from heaven. And you left your words with us so that we would know you through your word and we would know ourselves as we're being transformed and conformed into the image of Christ. God, it is our desire that we would always be teachable, that our hearts would always be humble before you, And God, any areas of our hearts that are like stone be made into flesh. For we want our heart to beat in unison with yours. Father, I thank you for every single person here today. God, I thank you for the mothers spiritually, biologically, Adoptive. We thank you for the sacrifice of agape love every single day. God, I cry out for more mothers more families, Lord. For every single child that is homeless. We know that you are their father. You are their mother. But it is also your desire that they be placed in physical families. I thank you Lord.